This episode of the Superpowered Fancast is brought to you by Shirt Punch. Uh, Shirt Punch's website, uh, www.shirtpunch.com. It's the best place on the internet to grab limited edition pop culture t-shirts now this is an amazing site i'm looking at it right now they got some great designs some great shirts even have uh tote bags uh some great pop culture references and things uh on them just if you go to shirtpunch.com uh they look amazing now they do four new designs daily and they're only up for 24 hours and they all are uh ten dollars each now they do custom t-shirts they even do like t-shirts with glow in the dark and metallic prints they have a a selection of gallery uh tees as well it's just amazing i'm again i just i'm looking at all of these tees and just amazing they got some really uh fun pop culture stuff for uh for things that you like a lot of digitally printed stuff that i that i know that that i'm looking to get something and because they have something for every fandom i mean they've got uh stuff for gamers anime fans horror movies sci-fi video games just all over the map all kind of fan all kinds of fandom they have something for now i'm going to suggest that you check back daily because what i do is i look every day since they're only up for 24 hours i check back daily so i don't miss out on the new designs that are that are there and every day again new exciting designs shirtpunch.com now, when you do find something you love, if you use the promo code POT10 during checkout, you get 10% off your order. And they ship internationally. So they ship to North America, to Australia, everywhere in between. So that is www.shirtpunch.com. Company is Shirtpunch. The promo code POT10 gets you 10% off your first order. Check daily. Again, these designs, uh, these designs change every day, and they're definitely worth worth taking a look at i'm going back to looking at them right now i think they're amazing shirtpunch.com Welcome to another episode of the Superpowered Fancast. This is Darren. So, just real quick, as I'm edging up on episode 50 of the podcast, I want to thank everyone uh, who is listening, everyone who's who's downloading the pod, everyone who's talking about it, sharing it. Uh, I really appreciate everyone who's who's been supporting the show since the beginning, and everyone who. Uh, it's continuing on the journey with me. I, uh, your support is one of the things that I that, that keeps me going. Your feedback as well. So definitely uh, let me know how you feel about the show, what I'm doing, what you like, what you don't. Um, con- leave comments on everywhere. You can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast. So please uh, leave me comments. Uh, you can also email me, superpoweredfancast at gmail.com. Uh, you go to my website, uh, www.superpoweredfancast.com, and let me know what's go- let me know how you feel about the pod and what you'd like to see in the future. And we got a great episode uh, this week because besides just I'm going to start with a little bit of news, but I got to interview the uh, the writer, uh, directors, and stars of the uh, sci-fi thriller, The Endless. 
And that's going to be the tail end of this episode. So you'll get to hear uh, from, uh, sorry, get to hear from Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead about the film. It's really great. You can also go to a superpowerfancast.com and read my review uh, of The Endless uh, as it's will be out by the time uh, this episode airs. And I can tell you right now, you should check it out. It's 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 definitely an interesting movie. It's it's really good. It's got some really great themes. But read the review and 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 you'll and you'll get more. But um, until then, let's go ahead and just go with some of the some of the news that's been breaking this week. Now, one of the things I will tell you about is um, so Jared Leto, who uh, well, Oscar winner. Um, Actor, lead singer, Thirty Seconds to Mars. Um, he had he has been playing uh, Joker for DC Films. The last appearance being in Suicide Squad. He's scheduled to make another appearance in the Suicide Squad sequel, as well as uh, reprising the role in a standalone film. I think it's supposed to be. I don't know if it's competing with the Joaquin Phoenix one or if it's just another uh, Joker film, but. Apparently, Leto has signed on with Sony uh, to take on the role of Michael Morbius in a uh, spin in a Spider-Man spinoff film, where he's going to be playing Morbius, the Living Vampire. It's going to be produced by Avi Arad, uh, Matt Tomlick, and Lucas Foster. It's going to be directed by Daniel Espinosa. Uh, Espinosa's director is the director of the, the sci-fi uh, movie Life. And it's written by uh, Burke Sharpless and Matt Sazama, who are the guys behind the Lost in Space remake on Netflix. So it's interesting news about about uh, Leto kind of crossing over and playing another character. I'm never really a huge fan of Morbius as a character. I thought he was fine when he was in the midnight suns but you know i know i i think i read maybe one or two of his standalone comics but the character i'm sorry just never really never really connected with me but either way i mean another uh comic book movie is another comic book movie some good some bad but at the very least the genre is still thriving to the point where we have uh the content out there so that's interesting. Now, another bit of interesting comic book news is uh, Jeremy Irons, uh, who was last seen playing uh, Alfred Pennyworth in both Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice and the Justice League movie, is sticking with DC Comics in a, in a sense by taking a lead role in the pilot for the Watchmen HBO series um, uh, produced by Damon Lindelof. Now, there's not really much. I mean, the the production is is very is highly secretive. There's not a whole lot of information getting out there. So, but he is going to be joining uh, Regina King, Don Johnson, Tim Blake Nelson, and more. Like no, literally none of his uh, no details about his role have been revealed. But Lindelof did write a long letter to fans. And part of it, he did say, you know, and I quote, new faces, new masks to cover them. We also intend to revisit the past century of costume adventuring through a surprising yet familiar set of eyes. And it is here we will be taking our greatest risk. So who knows? He could be playing anything from a brand new character to an, an, an aged Ozymandias. Like, who knows? Now, veering out of the superhero genre and into the into my other favorite genre of 
of film being horror. Um, the writers behind the the hit film A Quiet Place are taking on a Stephen King adaptation. And it's not one of the big ones. It's actually one of the smaller stories. Uh, and this is according to Deadline. Uh, Quiet Place writers Scott Beck and Brian Woods uh, pitched an idea for adapting Stephen King's short story, The Boogeyman, uh, to 20th Century Fox. And they're currently finalizing the deal. And it, it's going to have Sean Levy, Dan Levine, and, and Don Cohen uh, producing. And uh, Leva, Levy and Cohen uh, are the production company behind uh, Stranger Things. And now the Boogeyman was originally released in 73, 1973 and part of the Night Shift anthology in, in 78. And it's about a man named Lester Billings who is recounting to a psychiatrist uh, the stories of how his children were all murdered and how he believes they were all murdered by the Boogeyman. So it's it's definitely one of King's more... Uh, straightforward, just straight out scary stories. A, I've, a lot of people have said that it's it's a sto- it's one of his stories that scared them the most. So I would love to see how these guys handle, like handle that story, handle that dynamic, and handle like I'm I'm just basically just jazzed for so many so many King adaptations that seem to be coming down the pipeline. Like if you listen to our to to the last episode of the podcast. It was all about the uh, Stephen King adaptations that are currently in development. So definitely check out uh, that episode uh, to find out more. I want to thank Foamcast Radio for supporting this episode. Foamcast Radio is a new weekly podcast. It's all about Nerf blasters and related blaster toys. Uh, You can subscribe to Foamcast Radio on your podcast app or visit foamcastradio.com. And then kind of the last bit of, I guess we'll just, the last bit of superhero news is um, Tom Holland, uh, whether he, uh, you know, whether he did it on purpose or accidentally, but he revealed the title for the next uh, Spider-Man film, the sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming. And it's called Spider-Man Far From Home. Now I've already written about the fact that the next Spider-Man film is going to be is going to be taking place uh, both in New York and London and all over the world. So Far From Home is is pretty appropriate a title. So we don't know how it's going to we don't know plot-wise how Far From Home is going to be is going to fit into the overall story. We don't know how if Jake Gyllenhaal's uh if Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be playing Mysterio. We don't know how that's going to fit in either. But, you know, it's a, you know, it's, that's the title, Far From Home. So, uh, I guess that's it for, for the news of the week. So, uh, just to, just a quick rundown, uh, The Endless, uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, uh, wrote, directed, and starred, uh, in this film. It's a, it's a, it's a science fiction horror thriller as like some really great elements of all it's almost like Lovecraftian. Like if you ever read HP Lovecraft, you definitely get that, that sense of that kind of uh, sense in the film. But it's, but the great thing about it is that it's a unique experience. So it's definitely one that I would recommend seeing. So I got the, I got the, the opportunity and the chance to, to talk to these two gentlemen and uh, the Welgo USA is is producing, releasing the film. It comes out June 
uh, 26 uh, on Blu-ray and DVD. I definitely recommend you checking it out. And apparently it's gotten a, a lot of great buzz. I mean, it's, um, it's over 80-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and, and that's both with uh, critics and fans, and that's and that's great. That's uh, congratulations to uh, to Mr. Benson, Mr. Moorhead. I think I think they've made a great film, and I can't wait to see what they have next uh, coming up. So, without further ado, this is uh, the Endless with Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Hey, Justin, Aaron, uh, it's, it's nice to talk to you guys. Oh no! Um, I I mean I I watched the movie this weekend and I I, I really loved it. So I had just a, a lot of questions. So if I ramble on, just let me know, and I'll try and pull back and be as as professional as possible. No worries, man. All right. Um. So I'm not gonna. Uh, I don't want to take uh, too much of you guys' time. And uh. But uh. Again, I want to. I want to thank you all for. Uh, for taking the time to to speak to me today, and I just kind of want to uh, jump right in, if that's all right. Please, yeah, go right ahead. Okay, um, all right. So the movie's currently like sitting at ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So how does it feel to get that kind of positive reaction uh, from from critics and and audiences? And when we started this movie, this was running off to go make something in in reaction to uh, feeling like we were waiting around for other people to give us, like, cast or money or something like that. We're just like, let's just go make a movie, hand over fist, damn the consequences. You know, it'll, at, 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 at best, people will like it, uh, and at worst, um, it'll just be an odd little experiment as a blip on the radar and, well, as we go and do other things. And then as we started creating it, we got more and more invested in it, and it became this kind of um, such a passion project and, and felt like uh, felt like we were on a mission. But still, we absolutely never expected it to be as well-received as it was. We thought people would find it way too weird um, and potentially self-indulgent. And uh, we were, we were uh, wary of that and uh, decided to, to go for it anyways. And we are truly, um, I know it's easy to say this, but honored and humbled by by people actually embracing our, our weird movie. Well, I thought it was a, it's an it's an amazing high concept uh, style of, of science fiction, and I'm a huge uh, science fiction and 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 horror and and uh, and Lovecraft fan. And I and I just want to know, like, what was the genesis of the story? Like, like, how did you decide you wanted to tell this story, and and how did it come about? Uh, like, just how, how what was the process like? Yeah, we, uh, you know, we, we had a lot of bigger projects that were about to happen, and they're still about to happen, uh, but they just take a lot longer. And the genesis of this was almost more like a, the origins are almost technical in the sense that it's like, well, we need to, we need to write a script that no matter what, you can just go make it and nothing can stop us. Mm-hmm. So there's not going to be anything in this script that, that, uh, that we can't do ourselves, whether that's visual effects or practical effects or performances or anything. Like, nothing can stop us. Uh, and then that we could save up the money ourselves and just go make this film. Um, we, 
ended up, this ended up being the first movie that we actually did have an investor come on board. Our first two movies where we couldn't get an investor, we just had to, to self-finance or go to family. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so the genesis was like, you know, it's kind of a boring thing to say, but it was kind of technical in that it's like, okay, we need to, we need to generate a script that we can execute no matter what. Um, but there was also this thing of like looking at all the bigger projects we've been doing and looking at, they all share the theme of conformity or anti-conformity or when is it appropriate to rebel? And, and we realized we had been talking about what had happened to these, uh, these cult members that appeared in our first movie resolution that came out in 2013 for like six years. We've been talking like, what happened to those guys? We even tried to shoot a really bad improvisational comedy while we were on the road with, um, with our second movie spring going to film festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we realized that we had been talking about like what happened to these guys and the mythology of the place they came from for years and years. We didn't know it, but we were actually developing the endless the whole time. Uh, and, and it's funny because there's, there's no reason to make, you know, people use intellectual property for all kinds of reasons. Uh, for the most part, what they are is that everyone knows what that thing is. And thus, the hope is that more people will go see it or be interested in it, like an old TV show from the 70s or something. Obviously, no one has seen our first tiny movie resolution. There is no, re- there is no business reason to tell a story in that world or to revisit that world. Well, that's really interesting because I thought one of the th- one of the aspects I really loved about the film was, you know, normally a film like this about a cult, you'd you'd see like the kind of like the dark underbelly and everyone, and you'd kind of be waiting for the cult members to turn or something evil to happen, and it just seemed like it was it took that that concept and and kind of did away with it and then and just kind of made it about people, and I thought that's one of the th- one of the things I loved about that. As far as e- even with all the paranormal uh, events and the mystery in the film, is that it was ultimately about the relationship between these two brothers. Now, was that something you kind of wanted to be the through line, or was it something that evolved during the writing process? Yeah, we always want to make sure that the relationship is up front and center. We think that if you ignore or downplay, um, your central relationship and focus on your idea, uh, you'll end up with a cold movie uh, at best and, uh, and a bad movie at worst. Yeah. And so we, um, so we, we wanted to make sure that the two ideas, though, the, the, the character drama and the sci-fi aspect of it were inextricable from one another because otherwise you end up making what feels like two different movies. And, uh, and so what we did was we started with this bigger idea that all of our stuff seems to be somehow obsessed with these ideas of rebellion and anti-conformity and, and uh, the idea of even moderation uh, in, in the face of rebellion and all of that. And, um, and if you wanted to explore that, and so there's this big sci-fi idea in the film, uh, you know, if you wanted to talk spoilers, uh, mm-hmm. about that that very much has to do with whether or not to rebel or conform. And then there's the really obvious right-on-the-nose one, which is a cult. You know, you can't yeah. get any more clear about ideas of rebellion and conformity than a cult. And then inside of a relationship, we also talk about the fact that um, that sometimes we, we do bend to the will of those who we love and care about. And sometimes we try to control those that we love and we care about. And, uh, and sometimes it's necessary, and sometimes you need to reject it. And, um, and so we're, as long as we're all talking about the same thing, um, the construct that we use to talk about it doesn't matter, and it and it ideally makes a, a cohesive movie. 
Yeah, and you can definitely see that in the in the plot because uh, again, like any other uh, any other film that kind of touched on that would touch on uh, cult behavior would have put would have cast the the cult members as the bad guys, and it's almost like there's not really there's they're no real bad guys. They're just people in this their circumstances, and it's and it's almost like a a, a psychological journey between the characters. And, and I guess that's why I was asked, like, what um, like what were your your inspirations uh, as far as as far as the the look of the film, like how you wanted to kind of how you wanted it to to kind of move narratively. Interesting. The uh, in terms of inspirations of how structure and how it moves narratively, there's there's not really any direct influences from 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 cinema, or at least nothing we're conscious of. It's impossible mm-hmm. for us to be movie lovers and watch them our whole lives and not have influences right. um, deep into our work. But I think that the, the bigger influences were literary. Like we yeah. both read a lot of Stephen King, a lot of Alan Moore, uh, Neil Gaiman. Um, we're huge fans of. Uh, House of Leaves. Mm-hmm. So I think those more about uh, those inspirations being there. And then it's really interesting you said how there's there's no bad guys in the movie. Um, it's a couple different things. I think that's, that tends to be where instincts go in storytelling is that uh, you know bad people like as in like all they want to do is cause violence and malice upon others. Mm-hmm. It's such a rare thing to encounter in life. It happens. I mean, I'm not even sure if I've ever, I've ever met that person yeah. in my, my 30-something years, you know? Um, and, and there is something so dramatically effective about treating relationships and the reasons why people might be dishonest or might do something that is, is morally questionable, um, presenting that in a way that the way, more about how you observe those things in your actual everyday life, which is usually something much more complicated. Too bad it's not as simple as like, oh, that bad thing happened because there was a bad person involved. Yeah. Um, make life a lot simpler to figure things out. But, uh, and also, too, that within the cult itself, in terms of the instinct to ultimately not make them operating out of malice or, or necessarily bad people, um, is that uh, we've all seen this. So we, 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 we all know the story of, of, of Jim Jones or Heaven's Gate or whatever it is. Um, and and, and and that's cool. You can retell that story, and it can be good. But isn't it so much more fun to, as an audience member to, to uh, have the unexpected delivered to you? Yeah. And if you can tell a cult film where cult members, what they're up to is so much more complicated than cult stories of what you've already seen, um, that was the aim we were going for. Um, uh, and, and actually, ultimately, I think, I think my, my character ultimately ends up the sort of if there's a bad guy in the film, it's sort of like the person who is discussed as being possibly interpreted as a hero at some point in life, mm-hmm. um, having revealed as not as like a really flawed person who's dishonest. There's something really fun about that. Yeah, I picked up on that. Like it just the the fact that you know it, taking his brother out of that situation and then kind of being hailed as a hero versus and you know versus uh, his own motivations, and then that moment where you know where uh you know he's just confronted with the fact that you know you lied this is what you did and as much as we were trying to you know as much as we didn't say anything about it like we know and it it, it made us feel bad that's it's something again like you don't necessarily you don't see in uh in other films 
But um, just be and because you guys were, you know, both in front of and behind the camera, like what was the like? How did you juggle the responsibilities as filmmakers and and star and stars in the film? Like how does like how do you uh, how do you kind of manage that uh, those different those different aspects? Um, we don't really view them as different aspects very much. They they, they clearly are, but um, but we try not to compartmentalize them too hard because ultimately it's all filmmaking. Um, and so we, um, in, in the same way that time management is is part of directing, uh, so is so is acting in this case, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so we were able to um, we we've had ten years of making films kind of hand over fist, of course, with the support of, of cast and crew. But um, but ultimately, we were also editing and grew the cinematographer and, and writing. And um, all of that was just viewed as the process of, it was all under this large umbrella of making a film rather than getting compartmentalized into, okay, right now I am only the cinematographer and I am not the director. Or right now I'm only the editor and not the director, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it, it felt like just, uh, it felt like using that same skill set uh, and applying it to acting, and so, um, so yes, we did do the same process that we always do, which is a whole bunch of rehearsal, a whole lot of discussion. Um, being involved in the writing and development of the script really, really actually helped develop the character because you always understood where everyone was coming from, and um, and then uh, and then ultimately it just came down to the actual logistics of. Once you've done the, the, the dumb work of, say, memorizing your lines, right, and then the artistic work of creating a character and, and doing the rehearsals and figuring it out, then it actually just comes down to um, the, the practical logistics of where where you are standing when the camera rolls. Normally, you are behind the monitor and looking at the shot and thinking about the performance. And in this case, you are in front of the camera um, and creating that image in a different way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it didn't really create too many hiccups. It was actually just felt uh, relatively natural for the process. It's not easy. None of it is easy. It's all difficult. Not not just acting, but every little bit of uh, filmmaking is difficult. Of course. But it didn't create this massive uh, roadblock that we weren't expecting. Okay. So what would you like audiences to walk away uh, with after they watch The Endless? Um... Ideally, they uh, they start thinking about their own relationships, but um, but a lot of people get since we are exploring these these themes of um, of rebellion and conformity and and all of that, people can uh, sometimes pick up uh, things that relate to their relationship with, say, their religion or their politics or their their social circles, and um, and we we hope that it, uh, that it gives them just a little tiny something to think about and. It, and if not, then at least they were thrilled for a couple hours and they don't want their money back. Exactly. All right. Well, I mean, the the story itself, uh, like I, I really enjoyed it. And it, it lends itself in the end. I mean, no, I mean, with spoilers, but it definitely lends itself to uh, to a sequel. Is that something that that uh, you guys might want to uh, explore in the future, or or is or is it just kind of you want to? leave the mystery of what happens next uh, the way it is? Well, you know, we've we've made two movies that are very directly in this universe, and 
actually we've made three movies that are that there's a third our movie spring is still sort of related to this universe just not as as first movie resolution so mm-hmm. kind of a wellspring of creativity for us to work in this world and eventually you know eventually a tv show or another movie at a bigger scale but uh but you know this universe seems to work best when we just like leave it alone for five or six years and uh and and then we'll just naturally end up having conversations about it and, and developing material for it um in our spare time because we're, we're dorks and that's what we <laughs> <do>. <laughs> right <laughs> Well, is there is there anything you guys have coming uh, coming up that you're working on that you can talk about or you want to talk about? Yeah, it's interesting. We have so many. We always have so many projects going on at any given time. We have several TV shows, and several movies. And they're all at different scales, different different places. Um, we uh, it's, we're not legally bound to not talk about them. They're not like top secret or anything, right? Um, if everyone knows Jurassic Park 7 is coming anyway, so we may as well just talk about us being attached to it. We're not doing Jurassic Park. But, I got lost. First indicator we're not doing Jurassic Park 7 is wrong. So, um, uh, the, uh, but we are, we're, every day we are constantly working on the next movies and TV shows. Mm-hmm. It's, they're all bigger things and they're all these variables on bigger projects that um, are you know, ultimately sort of out of our control. But uh, but it's looking like this one, like our next movie's going to happen pretty, pretty quick. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for watching. And you don't want to talk to us. Yeah. Once again, I want to thank Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead for uh, agreeing to be on the Superpowered Fancast. I really appreciate uh, their time and... Uh, definitely go see, pick up, and check out uh, The Endless on Blu-ray and DVD uh, out um, out the 26th. Um, you can always uh, check out Superpower Fancast at superpowerfancast.com. Uh, you can read my n- news articles, reviews, uh, comic book reviews, product reviews, everything on uh, superpowerfancast.com, as well as Geeks Worldwide. Uh, com. You can also check me out on YouTube on the Geek Side Pod. That's the uh, podcast that I do with my friends Will and Christina. We talk about all geek news. It's on YouTube. Uh, you get to see my ugly mug and their pretty faces <laughs> whenever we do the, the show. Uh, you can always email me at superpoweredfancast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at superpoweredfan. So for Superpower Fancast for this week, this is Darren signing off. This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks! Assemble!